you know, go at your own pace and start with one thing. And if that is simply getting meat off your plate, if that's getting dairy off your plate, start with that and just build from there and just, and go at your own pace. Like I think it's very, it's very easy to judge people, but like these things can be very overwhelming. And I think change is usually comes about with when people are sort of respectful and and have an understanding that like me too like I was on a journey you know so many years ago I bounced around from vegan to vegetarian to pescatarian finding my way but it was I guess having eventually like having the supportive sort of network and like and just taking it slow like just yeah just do what you can and you don't have to be perfect it, it, we'd be much better off with you know 10,000 people doing things imperfectly than 10 doing it 100% of the time hi there veggie mates welcome back to the show this is the veg talk podcast and i'm your host matthew davy you just heard from our special guest today australian recipe developer talitha case how are you all i hope you've had a great week it's good to be back with you for another conversation and I really thank you for taking the time to listen in and fit this in to your schedule. It's been a super packed week for us here in Mexico. Uh, We've been recording in Mexico City mainly for the Spanish version of the podcast which is now live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and anywhere you'd like to tune in. So if you're a Spanish speaker and are interested, please go and check it out. Uh, You can find the show by searching for VegTalk and just selecting the Espanol show. I'd like to thank all the awesome listeners from around the world who left a rating and review this week. I'm extremely grateful for your support. Uh, We're getting closer to that 100 mark, which was a small aim of mine uh, just for halfway through the year. So uh, it's certainly not the only way that you can help the show. Uh, It's a super easy one, but there's also some other easy options out there, uh, like sharing an episode on social media Uh, or even mentioning the show to just a friend or a family member. Every bit of support is extremely helpful uh, in getting these conversations and spreading the plant-based movement further around the globe. So now for today's show with Talitha Case. We'll be catching uh, up with her today and chatting on a range of topics uh, from Talitha's top five spice recommendations uh, to climate change and how That's been a huge topic of discussion in Australia with the very recent federal election. So I won't keep you guys any longer today. Let's get straight into it. I hope you enjoy the show. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Cool, guys. We're here today. Uh, We're actually in Collingwood today, Uh, Collingwood, Victoria. We are with Talitha Case. Uh, She is known as the Plantritionist on Instagram and also on her blog. So Talitha, thank you for joining us today. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. So um, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, your life growing up mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. We have had your husband on this show um, a couple of couple of months back. Yes. So it's cool to have, um, have the other half of the relationship on today. But yeah, I'd love to hear, uh, yeah, just what it was like. Has food been... A huge part of your life growing up and yeah. yeah just hear a little bit about that yeah so I grew up in New South Wales I grew up in very working class western suburbs um, I'm one of four children and food has always been in my life um, funnily enough my grandfather 
used to say he was like this really tall slim gym and he used to say I eat to live I don't live to eat and I don't know what went wrong but everyone from basically my grandfather down is just all food obsessed so it obviously stopped with him um my father was he's he's always been a massive foodie and he he would just always bring like all the most weird and wonderful and non-vegan ingredients home to always cook with so I think it's definitely in the genes and I've really grown up loving food and creating food from him cool yeah that's cool yeah I think uh when you've when you're open to new styles of food or you know weird and yes wonderful kind of things you're you're always open to experimenting yeah for sure I think it's like you know vegan or non-vegan it's more it's flavors so it's the sweets it's the sours the spices and um you know I guess making that transition from about six years now becoming a vegan I'm still just as much in love with food as I was beforehand probably even more knowing now that what we eat is actually good for us so cool cool so uh I suppose growing up after you know childhood in in New South Wales and getting through school and all of that mm-hmm. what were you thinking um you know for a, a career uh, in you know in air quotes yeah for a career so growing up through school when I was I think I'm probably like most um most girls I was going to be a vet and I was going to look after all the animals um and until I realized it was really gory and actually that would be really confronting and I'd probably be dealing with more death and, you know, obviously fixing animals than just giving them cuddles. So I think reality probably set in when I was a teenager and I started to look to go more into marketing and events. Um, so fresh out of school, I was actually lucky enough that a friend through a friend was running a marketing and events sort of agency and that was my in so I started off working there and to be honest I it it was a good sort of in but it made me realize I didn't really sort of love what I was doing um but what they did want is someone to go down to their Melbourne office and I happened to know someone down in Melbourne so it was a really good sort of segue for me to get my butt down in Melbourne um so for that I'll always be yeah pretty grateful how was that move there's always a bit of um there's always a bit of banter between Sydney and Melbourne, Sydney, and, Melbourne. and which one's better and all of that. So <laughs> what was it like, I suppose, moving uh, moving cities? What were your family thinking and um, how were you feeling well, about the move? To be honest, I don't actually know what my family were thinking. They were probably really scared, but I mean, I was like 18, 19. I was just like, I'm out of here, see ya. And it's, it's actually really weird reflecting on that, like now being 30 odd and how easy that transition was for me. Whereas if you were to tell me to go relocate now, I think I'd be like, I think I'd be really scared. But it's funny, I was 18 and I was just like, yeah, I'm ready to go explore. Um, In terms of the Sydney versus Melbourne, (laughs) Sydney would probably think I'm I'm probably a bit of a traitor because I love Melbourne. Um, I actually really like the cold weather and I know (laughs) a lot of people think I'm crazy, but for me it's like the colder the better I love like the mountains I love like that sort of you know that sort of climate so for me to move to Melbourne which has four seasons in a day is kind of my idea of paradise in a sick morbid kind of way (laughs) um I really love Melbourne but I mean equally so I love Sydney and I think it's probably something now that I'm a bit more grown up I go back and it's my hometown so I do love it as well yeah that's cool you should have come and visit us in Boston yeah, you would, you would have loved it. <laughs> negative, uh, 
I think the, the, the coldest it got there was about negative 30 in blizzard conditions. Love so it. No such thing as the wrong type of weather, just the clothing, as Billy Connolly would say. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we I definitely learned that. Yep. Rug up <laughs> and you'll be fine. Yeah. No. Or take it's... a nice bath or shower and, you know, get into <laughs> it that way. So, yeah, I quite like doing those as well. So I have yep. noticed... Mike, you um, he w- had been doing some uh, stuff in the sea every yes. day. Yeah. Do you do similar things, yeah. getting yourself in the cold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think that uh, I brought that out in him, actually. Okay. Um, no, it is something we started doing together. We, I don't know how we came across the Wim Hof method. And um, just I follow two guys on Instagram called The Happy Pair. Uh, you might know them, Irish. Um, everyone loves the Irish, but... I just love how they, every day they just jump into the Irish Sea and it's just like, they just go for it. And I just, I like the mentality of that. And like, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but I don't know if you've ever tried it. Once you're in, it's like, if you're in a bad mood, like whatever day you like your day's been, or if you do it in the morning, it's just like, it's the best wake up call. Like forget the coffee, just jump into the freezing sea. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I, I do. I follow the happy pair awesome twin uh twin brothers yeah out in ireland and they do they call it swim rise yeah so they get in the irish sea it's freaking cold basically all year round yeah and yeah i think they yeah talk about it just being a really good start to their day it's like a reminder that um that they feel you know because you get the the rush of the cold yeah and you're lucky to be able to feel and experience everything so true yeah um so and the hardest part is getting started like anything the hardest part is getting in and just even sometimes like the walk to the water it's like yeah yeah maybe i won't do it today or like you, you will try and find you know a thousand excuses not to get in but i think that's like and i don't know if that's kind of a kind of morbid sort of thought that like you're wanting to challenge yourself that way by throwing yourself you know plunging into cold water but there's something about breaking through you know that mental sort of you know and just going for it yeah it feels good no absolutely and being able to if you're able to set a routine of this Mm. and i I haven't done it so I'm, i'm not speaking from experience here but if you're able to set a routine where, yeah, every day you're getting over this hurdle in the morning, yeah, then you're you're it challenging you the day. Yeah, yeah, you're challenging yeah. yourself first thing in the morning. Yeah, and it's like a little mental exercise as well as a physical exercise because obviously the feeling of the cold is physically, uh, it's tough. not something you want to put yourself <laughs> through, right? You wouldn't yeah. voluntarily yeah. choose to do it. Um, if you're looking for something easy to do, mm. it's kind of tough physically, but yep. also that mental challenge every day. So it's, yeah. it's a well-rounded approach to yeah. starting a day, yeah. I suppose. And, I, and, and surprisingly, it's supposed to come with many health benefits. So, you know, why not? Cool. And living close to Port Phillip Bay? Except not when about- it rains. Don't yeah. jump in after it's rained. Oh, it's, no, because yeah, of the... Okay. Is it sewers? Yeah, I think there's like something off. to do with that canal and the runoff and it's just, yeah, after it rains, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most Good. locals will know that. <laughs> but just in case you're planning on doing it, I mean, I think we'll be right tomorrow. But Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, we haven't yeah. got many days left, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm from Beaumaris, so yeah. uh, nice and close to the bay as yeah. well. Yeah, haven't taken advantage You've of that. you got to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, if getting into marketing and and realizing it's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's often a good way of finding out if something isn't for you is actually yeah. giving it a shot. Um, You've got to do all the things. When did you kind of 
flick the switch and say, you know, I'm going to change paths mm. and I, I want to try something new? Well, it's, I think food has, food has always been something I do and I've always been interested in cooking and Mike will tell you that when he used to come over and visit me when we were sort of in a long distance relationship I'd always have something made like and it's just the way I sort of I guess show love and like I guess look after people and um is is to feed them um but yeah so I guess it's always been this thing on the side and probably when Mike came over um what year was that 2013 maybe um I he was he's a personal trainer obviously as we know and he came over and sort of got me into thinking, oh, you know what, I should probably start looking at being a bit more active. And I had previously been quite active, but I'm pretty good at going through phases of, you know, I'm like gung-ho and I'm at boxing like, you know, five days a week and then for the next two years there'll be zip. So when he came over to Melbourne being around sort of him, I probably got more into what I thought was healthy eating. And I say healthy eating with bunny ears was because at the time I think – I think I was pescatarian and Mike coming over was, and he'll tell you that back in the day he was the biggest meat eater you've ever met. Um, But him coming over and being around, you know, this someone who was like really sort of physical and like had the six pack and I was just like, wow, you know, he's he's in shape. I need to be like, I need to do that. Um, I started becoming more interested in exercise again and that's what's – sort of started me down the path of go doing my personal training certificate and then we we're doing sports nutrition um but also at the time I was working in a primary healthcare network um and I was doing I was the events and marketing coordinator so I kind of had access to the other side being around dietitians and seeing how they worked and not necessarily how they worked because I have great appreciation for what they do but the events in which we'd put on for clients to come in and sort of do group work with a dietitian. And it was through that sort of exposure, I sort of thought this clinical stuff, like this side probably isn't for me. Um, I've always felt, and is that if you tell someone not to do something, they're more inclined probably to do it. And I think labels and things can get really confusing. So I think I'm probably more creative in the sense that I'd rather make and put a delicious meal in front of someone that just happens to be good for them as well. So that's how I got into doing, I guess, like the plantritionist side of things. So it started plantritionist wanting to, with the end goal in mind of becoming a nutritionist or dietitian, but it's kind of evolved into more, you know, making food, delicious, healthy meals and sort of putting them out there and hopefully vegan, non-vegan, everyone enjoys them. So No, that's awesome. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's a common thread in this podcast is leading by example. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people kind of go by that rule in their own life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, personal training or whether it's food, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a cool way to kind of lead your life because uh, it's very welcoming and yeah. it invites a lot of people yeah. in. So at the end of the day, the food is what, you know, does get people mm-hmm. uh, to actually switch. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose that is... Um, you know, the, the most important thing in switching to a plant-based diet or a, a, a yeah. vegan lifestyle yeah, is... it's going to taste good. Well, you're halfway there, aren't you? Yeah. Exactly. So how did you, I suppose, switch from... Well, first of all, let's talk about actually switching to a vegan diet yourself mm-hmm. or a, a plant-based diet. The first time or the second time? <laughs> let's hear about <laughs> it. Let's, let's hear about how it kind of evolved. So the first time 
I switched to a first vegetarian and then vegan diet, then pescatarian. Um, I would have been in my early 20s. And like I said, I've always had, and I think most people do, I, I've always loved animals. Like Mike will tell you, I'm ridiculous with our two dogs. Like it's, it's to the point where it's probably a little bit pathetic. <laughs> but I guess I, so with that sort of in mind, encourage me and I don't I can't sort of pinpoint a moment but there was just a moment where I was like I can't eat animals anymore they're you know I just love them too much um and so I did that for a while and at the time though being young and in my 20s I was going out a lot so Thursday nights we'd go and see a band Friday nights we'd go see a band Saturday we'd probably round out with a Sunday session so in terms of like my cooking sort of lifestyle sort of lagged a little bit when I did make the switch because my cooking and growing up cooking was all sort of more meat based and my priorities at that time was going out and having fun with my friends and not necessarily what I was eating um so slowly I think I slipped back into being a vegetarian and before making the switch back and then I thought well I'll just eat a little bit of fish and that's when I met Mike um and and yeah and then from there (laughs) he's gonna kill me for saying this (laughs) um we we were doing all that Mike was new to Melbourne and we were doing all the all the things that Melbourne is known for, one of which is the first Tuesday in November, the Melbourne Cup. And so at this time I was, I classified myself as pescatarian. So hindsight, looking back, I feel like I was disconnected. I thought I was, but I just wasn't quite there yet. And that's obvious to me now. And we had quite a few champagnes in the sunshine. I hadn't eaten all day. And I sent, I was starting to, you know, the champagne was starting to affect me. So Mike, the gentleman, (laughs) went off to find me some food. And at this stage, Mike wasn't vegan. And he brought me back, I want to say it was a hot dog, but it was like, it was way more, it was disgusting. Like it was, it was way more horrendous than a hot dog. And me being sort of drunk as I was, I just ate the hot dog and I was like, Oh, this, this, you know, I mean, really, I don't think I had too many thoughts because of my state of mind, but it was, it was from that day that I slipped back into starting to eat meat again. Um, and yeah, I, I really like, it, it's kind of funny because there is a time period, which it feels a little bit sort of gray to me that I can't really sort of remember ex- my thinking exactly, but probably for about six months or so, I slipped back into starting to, I think I was still predominantly eating veggies, but I'd slipped back into including a bit of meat in my diet. And I guess on the basis of Mike looks fantastic, he's got a six pack and I don't, and he eats, he knows, you know, he's he eats and looks like that. I should do that. Um And it wasn't until that we went back over to, we went away to Queenstown together and one of Mike's friends who we were staying with is a vegan. And I was really excited upon learning that we'd be staying with a vegan because I kind of thought, oh, cool, we get to, I get to explore this again. And I remember Mike being like, oh, I wonder if we can cook meat at his house. And I was like, yeah, probably not. And so we were like, all right, so for this week, we'll live how he lives. And so we committed to it and we did it and we did it for the whole entire week that we were there. And 
I enjoyed every sort of every aspect of it and I enjoyed sort of like I felt like I fell in love with food again just um I guess I don't know if it was just getting out of like the everyday and being around someone who was also vegan so at the time none of my friends also when I first sort of made that transition that I wasn't around any other vegans so I, I probably didn't have a great support network especially my family being so meat and three veg based um yeah so we went over to Queenstown and we stayed with our friend and like it really just sort of blew us away and he sort of re-educated us and he re-educated me in a way that it was like I finally woke up and it was like oh that's why I tried to go vegan all those years ago but this is why I failed because as much as I thought I like I guess I loved the animals there was still a disconnect and he I guess helped open our minds to like the health implications and his field of work being a pharmacist he, he was very knowledgeable on um on diet and everything so that sort of got us back in but there was a moment when we were over in Queenstown and we went to a health food shop in Wanaka and Michael I hope he doesn't mind me saying this but we were we were sat in this health food shop and you know still committed to this one week vegan journey and experiment and we'd been served by this guy and he was bringing out our meals so we sat down at this booth and Mike just goes oh god is that what I'm gonna look like and this guy behind the counter was he was like milk bottle white he was he was he was like everything you think when you think vegan you know he was like he was so so thin he you know as Mike would say he had no gains um, and he was yeah, he was just like, I sent essentially everything, I guess, Mike was like, not. Um, and yeah, that, that's always like, that moment will always be sort of like in my memory. It's, it's quite funny. But I mean, you've seen Mike now and he actually hasn't changed. If anything, he's probably gotten, I don't know. I mean, I'm maybe, yeah, maybe I'm biased, but he's, to me, maybe even both of us looks even better now for doing that and so it was pretty cool and I'm sort of pretty proud of both of us really from that week on we've never gone back yeah you know it's fantastic <clears throat> sorry fantastic to hear that story mm. with two completely different perspectives oh no <laughs> I remember Uh-oh, I'm in trouble no it's yeah. it's, it's awesome um, <laughs> yeah I think um, from from memory Mike spoke about just a different environment mm. so you, you gave yourselves that opportunity to experience yeah. a different environment see mm-hmm. it through a different kind of lens different yeah. perspective yeah. yeah but having tried it previously for yourself um yeah just to to re-engage with it and yeah the, sometimes the penny just drops and yeah. it just makes a hundred percent sense yeah it's clear yeah um, I, and i think you are who you eat with and I guess for when Mike was then on board, it sort of gave me permission to go back to doing it, which is sounds silly that you'd need permission and I don't think anyone needs permission. And I don't know, maybe it was a, it was a little bit of a different landscape six years ago. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think mm. it's come a long way since six years ago. Like if I think about my friendship circle and the things like even going out to eat and the amount or the amount of vegan options or the amount that weren't available, like far outweighed, you know, what was available. Whereas nowadays you can go anywhere, like yep. no matter where you are and, 
you know, you're set. You can get a good meal. Yeah. Especially in Melbourne. Especially in Melbourne. Yeah. No, it's yeah. all changed. It's all changed. There's no doubt about it. And you know what that is? That's a, that is a result of you and I, mm. the individual. Yeah. Driving that demand. Yeah. So, you know, person by person, mm-hmm. Melbourne has, it's grown into a vegan hub. Yeah. Because of the people that live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're becoming, I suppose, more more health-minded, yeah. uh, more compassionate in terms of where they want to shop mm-hmm. for clothing, where they mm-hmm. want to shop for food. It's, uh, it's front of mind here in Australia, or at least in Melbourne, yeah. a bit more than it used to be. Yeah. And what we were talking about off-air, off and I, I wouldn't mind segueing into now, mm-hmm. is the, the recent election yeah. in Australia. So... Um, with really having that, you know, realizing that we have more power within us mm. than we think. So yeah. I'll let you kind of run yeah, with it. But what, what has happened yeah. here in Australia over the past month, let's say? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it comes back to, like anything, it's supply and demand and us individuals making changes. It makes organizations, it makes restaurants, it, ma- it makes everyone sort of wake up. If there's a need for it, someone's going to fill it because you know, at the end of the day, money does make the world go around and they're going to want to fill a void. So, yeah, I mean, in in terms of the recent election, I guess in the past month, and there's been, there's been a lot of people sort of, I guess, panicking and I get, they have every right to. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't particularly think the weekend's results went too well and certainly not in the favour of how I would have liked to have seen them go. But I think rather than be all doom and gloom, and you know oh you know we're we're doomed until the next you know until the next election we can't do anything our hands are tied it's it's just not it's not practical like you can't go to someone with a problem like it's kind of like placing you can't place the onus all on them and when I say them I mean you know on local government on, on government um to to do all the work like I think Yes, it's not a good result, but what can you do at your own individual level to help support what has been maybe a poor outcome? So you can look at changing your diet. You can look at shopping locally. You can look at getting educated, learning about where your food comes from, food miles, um, going weight, like reducing your waste. So single use plastics and getting water bottles and or that sort of thing. And it can go even further into like, when we think of waste, a lot of people think food waste and food waste is like, it's phenomenal. Like it's, it, there's a lot of food waste and we know about that. But what other waste is there? Like plastic is always the scapegoat, but even things like the fashion industry, fast fashion, you vote with your dollar and what you pay for is what you know, is what potentially the, the person who's making the garment, is what they're going through. So we have so much power individually by choosing not to buy fast fashion and we have so much power to choose how we eat and where we source things from rather than sort of say, and a good example, so I do, I do have a background in local government and I, I used to work in local government where I feel like that's given me a good perspective of both sides Prior to working in local government, I was like, oh my God, public servants, they're so lazy. They don't do anything, nothing gets done. And then my opinion of that on the other side now is like, actually, there's so many loopholes. There's so many things like, you know, hoops that you have to, they have to jump through to like to implement changes. And 
it's not that they're not listening to the community and it's not that they're, they're not, you know, they're not priorities, but we have so much more power as an individual to make changes, whereas they have to go through months of, you know, trying to push things through to get them sort of ticked off. And a recent one, I guess, specific to Melbourne and Port Phillip would be the whole recycling debacle where recycling for a little while was going straight to landfill. And there were quite a few in the community sort of, I guess, getting a little bit arced up about, I pay rates, sort this out. Like, this is your problem. You need to sort it out right now. And I understand, yes, you pay rates and obviously you're paying for these services and you want them carried out. But I sort of like, rather than think like that, I think, so they're picking up recycling and it's going to landfill, but they're picking up my recycling and they're picking up your recycling. And that's our recycling that's going to landfill. So what can we do to reduce that recycling going to landfill rather than saying, the onus is on you, you fix the problem, have a look in your own backyard because there's so many things that, that we can do. And it's not about being perfect. I'm not perfect, um, you know, but it's, I think it's just about doing better. Like, so have your top three of what you, of what you do and then just do better. Like get educated, I think. Yeah. It's Absol- really empowering as well. Yeah. No, totally. It's fun. It's, uh, you bring up... Might sound nerdy. No, you bring up a bunch of like really important messages uh because australia isn't the only place where i think um you know the people in power the the government Mm. are not really reflecting the demand of the general population um yeah whether we're you know we've been living in america Mm. and there's a lot of panic yeah about trump and Mm -hmm. again that is and rightfully so rightfully so exactly i'm not saying that it's um it's not deserved or Mm. it's not okay to do that i think you know there's a lot of people that are are panicking for good reason Mm -hmm. however it is an opportunity for us to look at each other and help each other Mm -hmm. firstly i think we can be kinder always to each other yeah um that's that's first and foremost and then yeah taking a look at what we align with yeah so if i align with veganism Mm -hmm. for example then okay, I should be looking at probably my plate, mm-hmm. uh, what I wear, mm-hmm. um, and what directly affects animals. Yeah. If I am, you know, aligning with climate, get educated on yeah. what I do on a daily basis mm-hmm. that affects the climate in mm-hmm. a bad way, and if I can change those yeah. things. Um, so yeah, th- yeah, that messaging is yeah. super important and an opportunity for us as Australians. Um, and wherever in the rest of the world you might be feeling this, uh, to help, I, st- I suppose, start with yourself and then it yeah. will catch on to like yeah, absolutely. the five people that you yeah. eat with. And it doesn't have know? to be everything. Like it can be very overwhelming. And, yep. you know, when I first went vegan, I wouldn't have known about what's going on in Bangladesh and like the working conditions. And, you know, I guess all these things, like, like you said, like if you're a vegan, you should start to think about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But I certainly also think in terms of like, you know, go at your own pace yep. and start with one thing. And if that is simply getting meat off your plate, if that's getting dairy off your plate, start with that and just build from there and just, and go at your own pace. Like, I think it's very, it's very too easy to judge people, but like these things can be very overwhelming. And I think change is usually comes about with when people are sort of respectful and, and have an understanding that like 
me too. Like I was on the journey, you know, so many years ago, I bounced around from vegan to vegetarian to pescatarian, finding my way. But it was, I guess, having eventually, like having the supportive sort of network and like, and just taking it slow, like just, yeah, just do what you can and you don't have to be perfect. It, it, we'd be much better off with, you know, 10,000 people doing things imperfectly than 10 doing it 100% of the time. Totally, totally. I'm pretty sure you said that oh, to, did you? to me <laughs> the, other, yeah. the other day. It, yeah. You know, nearly the exact same thing. I think the perfectionism can get in the way of yeah. the, the it's progress. The doing and the yeah. doing, like... It's like if I, it's like anything, I think. Like it's not even to do with veganism. It's like if you are so set on perfectionism, you won't do anything in life. Like, and that's something I've actually had to get better at. And Mike's been really good for me is because we're, most of us are our own worst critics. And when you are in that mindset though, you, you sort of stop yourself from doing. So yeah, like, throw perfectionism out the door and just take action yeah no absolutely yeah i look forward to the next three years or so you know to see what happens between this australian election and the next one yep uh and then also we've got the american one coming up i think in about 18 months time so to see what can happen Mm -hmm. it's probably the most important time really is in between the the onus will be on the individuals yeah so it's up to us it really is how much we want to progress how much we want to push for change like just start by doing no now is the time now is 100 percent the time i hope we can we can continue to grow as a as a society and um you know push each other to to be better but i think we can also because we have to yeah because we're not going to have a choice like people i think people are slowly starting to come about um and sort of realize the different implications of of their lifestyle um so I think we are getting there and I know there's this like, it'll be too late. But I think if you think that way, like you're already thinking in the wrong sort of frame of mind, like yep. focus on what you can do, not on the, it's too late. You know, we may, you know, forget it. We may as may not, we may as well not even try. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've heard a bit of that uh, amongst friends. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's the too late. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go about my daily life. Yeah. As, as it was, yeah. because we're just, we're too late. Yeah. But wouldn't you rather give it a crack? Yeah. That's like, I think it was Mike that was telling me that there was something like, I don't know who was surveyed, where it was, younger couples, one in three were saying they didn't want to have kids because they didn't want to bring kids into this current climate. And Mike was asking me what my opinion on it was. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't like. I, I don't know how to feel about that because I certainly understand where they're coming from, but that whole mentality—it's like, well, don't we need, don't don't we at least need a couple more vegans in the world to sort of like, you know, push the push the climate agenda like to sort of progress things. I don't know, and I could be wrong on that, and I certainly understand and appreciate people's opinion for not wanting to bring kids into the world. In in a vegan world, there are like not in a vegan world, but in the world, there are vegans who obviously think, you know, children is probably not the most sustainable thing considering how many starving, homeless children that there are. And I fully respect that as well. So I guess that comes down to an individual's choice. Um, but I don't know, like that whole, when Mike was asking me, 
well, what do you think about that? You know, one in three are saying no. And I just, it brings me back to the, almost the doom and gloom of the, it's too late now. Let's give up. Let's not do this. Let's not live our lives. Um, you know, we're all doomed. No, 100%. We've had the same discussions and yeah, adoptions come up. Yeah. Um, maybe one of each. Where yeah. We, yeah. You know, potentially have our yeah. own kid and yeah. then adopt yeah, one. Yeah. We've had similar sort of conversations. Yeah. 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 If you're in the position to help, like, I think it's probably, it's the best, it's the best gift you can give, isn't it? Like help to to anyone. Yeah. No, it's that, I think that's a whole new conversation rabbit hole we could go down. I think all in all, uh, as a general population, maybe we do underestimate the, the climate change thing. Mm. And I can see where some people are panicking yeah uh climate emergency has been brought up a little bit more a lot yeah yeah, Yeah. recently so yeah we do need to act Mm. um act remain calm not panic and i suppose just again do the best we can it was uh, was it ireland and and maybe scotland potentially and britain they they've like they've now declared a climate emergency and the contrast to then our election of what's just happened Mm. and it's just like you know, are we all talk- like we we do have the internet? <laughs> like, are we not all talking to each other? Like, can we not sort of form a, you know, that clearly not? And it just goes back to well, then that just that means it's up to us to do the work. So I think don't give your power away. Like as much as I would have liked a different outcome, don't give your power away in the sense of yeah we're doomed and, and leave it up to, don't ever leave it up to a government to get things done because, I mean, it's a partnership. You've got to do your bit, like, and, and they and they will follow. They may take a little bit longer. Do you think, do you think the way the government is kind of set up in terms of uh, how we elect our prime minister, I was talking about this with a friend the other night, is kind of flawed in itself. It seems to me that... Um, it seems to me that it's more of a sporting event now. Yeah, where absolutely. you've got you've got you know the guys liberal the yeah. versus labor. Yeah, and I'm a labor supporter. Yeah, yeah. And you're a liberal supporter, yeah. but I'm barracking for labor. Yeah. it's funny that because if you'd asked me five years ago, I probably would have said yes, and to a degree, I still say yes now. But I do feel like there are more people starting to. I don't know. I don't, it could be just maybe indicative of my age as well. Maybe it's more, I'm starting to like, you know, as I get question things and, you know, am I labor and I'm liberal? I don't identify myself with any party. I think it just, it comes back to, I mean, obviously the policies and what are your priorities at, at the time? Like my priorities might be completely different to someone else that also has this of is of the same opinion with climate change, but we may have different values in other areas. So it, I guess that makes it that makes it difficult as well. But I mean, I think, yeah, five years ago, I probably would have said that someone was, yeah, I'm Labour or yeah, I'm Liberal. But with the younger generation, I think coming up and sort of, I don't know, now I feel like I'm bagging out the oldies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mum and dad. <laughs> um, that we are starting to ask more questions and sort of demand, I guess, a bit more. No, it's it's definitely happened in some. Uh, I suppose some seats around Australia have mm. had a bit more coverage yeah, than definitely. others. Yeah, um, So where like you know Greens get yeah. voted into a local oh, yeah. seat or yeah. an Independent gets yeah. voted into a local seat, it's cool to see because it yeah. does mean there is some yeah. change happening. Yeah. Um, a discussion that I was having the other day was 
wouldn't it be cool if you to, know, get, to get rid of Queensland? <laughs> not quite. It wasn't. No. It wasn't that. <laughs> they need us. It wasn't that yeah. swift. Um, yeah. But if you know, let's say we treated like the prime minister is like the CEO of Australia. Yeah. Well, the CEO of a company, of a successful company, mm-hmm. doesn't do everything. No. They have to delegate. No, of course. And you know that's kind of in place now. We have yeah. ministers for health, yeah. education. Yeah you know, youth, aging, all that kind of stuff is in place. But what we find is those ministers are usually from a business background. Mm. They might be a lawyer, an accountant, an economist, um, and they find themselves in these positions. Mm -hmm. Imagine if, and this is just an imagination because it's, you know, it's it's far from the the reality, but if if the both sides came to the public and said, this is our stance on all these, you know, current affairs. Yeah. And this is the cabinet that I want to bring yeah. with me into power. Yeah. So I want to bring in a scientist that is educated on climate change to yeah. tackle climate and to mm-hmm. make decisions on climate. Mm-hmm. And the, here is a, you know, a, a person that has been involved in public health for quite a long time. And this is the person I would like to tackle these decisions. Yeah. Uh, and they're, you know, really educated and up to, I suppose, up to speed on where we're at right now mm-hmm. rather than kind of the outdated style of um, politicians yeah. taking care of all those things. Yeah. So it was an interesting conversation. Yeah, um, no, yeah well, definitely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, if you're talking in the sense of, yeah, an organisation and a CEO, he, well, he'd be silly to to have him as the smartest person in the organisation because that's, if you want a company to run well, you want to employ people that are have more smarts than you, like, you know, that are subject matter experts. So, yeah, that would be, yeah. A couple of ideas thrown out there for the for the listener on, you know, how we can, how we can change uh, what we're doing ourselves mm-hmm. uh, first before we start throwing stuff at, yeah, yeah outer organisations. Let's bring it back to the food. Yes. So, um, you know, starting the, the blog yep. and, and your Instagram page, um, I suppose, what have you learned from that? Um, and the community you've built, um, mm-hmm. what, what kind of questions do, that, do they come to you with? Uh, a lot of the time, I, I mean, I get questions about how to use certain ingredients, but most of all, people just want flavor. And the biggest feedback I get from people that do love my recipes is that they're full of flavor and they're not typical of what they'd expect a vegan meal to taste like. Um, And I do try really hard, for instance, if I'm making a pie, I want it to be almost reminiscent of that meat pie you see as a kid. Doesn't mean it tastes like a meat pie, but I mean, in terms of it has like, it has the texture, it has like the pastry or it has the, you know, it has the flavors and the herbs and it it, it sort of takes you back. So when you eat that, it's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm a kid eating a pie and tomato sauce again, but a slightly healthier version and no one, you know, had to get hurt for it. So yeah, I'd say that's probably, yeah, my biggest feedback is would be people, I guess, being blown away by the amount of flavor that can be in vegan food. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Yeah, I think we're used to like, uh, if, you know, you go to the pub, for example, yeah. or you go to a restaurant. Yeah. As kids, yeah. the vegan food might have been like the, the salad or yeah, the, the, the side dish. Yeah. Or, Which there's nothing wrong with potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love potatoes. <laughs> Not the main, yeah. um, the yeah, star you, yeah. of the plate, yeah. I suppose. So yeah. making 
making a, a meal yeah. that is the star mm. fully out of plants yeah. kind of changes people's yeah. perspective. And I think as well, going out for a meal, there's so many, and today, like there's so many great cafes and pubs and they're, they're, do, like, they're doing an absolutely stellar job. But I guess my, where I see my role is in the home cook. So we can all go out for a great meal, but we want to be able to sort of, and it doesn't have to be, you know, show stopping every night, but to be able to, I guess, feel empowered to be able to create delicious food at home. And it's, you know, otherwise you're going to be eating out for the rest of your life and Uber Eats and we won't get down into that plastic, uh, you know, debate again. Um, but it, I guess, yeah, it's, it's empowering people at home to be able to cook for themselves and to hopefully impress their non-vegan partners or families or that's that's where I get the most satisfaction is when I go home and I make something and they're like oh yeah I could be vegan if we could eat like this all the time and I'm like well you can and I've got a blog but um yeah it's I guess it's that that's for me that's the best sort of feeling yeah yeah I I think um for the for the everyday person coming home from work or you know they've just had a big day at work they pick their kids up from school um, enabling those people mm. to be able to get in the kitchen and put together a tasty, healthy, plant-based meal yeah. and knowing they can do it, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. That's going to allow yeah. them to um, yeah. to do that more often than not. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for, for people that are busy mm-hmm. uh, and transitioning at the same time? Yeah, I mean, busy, I, I think... When it comes back, like when it comes down to it, I think find just a couple of meals that you like, experiment on weekends and that you know you can cook well and have them as your go-to meals. Um, I mean, and don't be so rigid in that baked beans need to be for breakfast only. Like there's been many (laughs) nights where when I say baked beans, we have our own sort of smoky maple kind of baked beans that we love to make and just like, just don't be so rigid in your food choices. Like I have people that say soup is not dinner. And I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> it's fine for me. Like, but uh, yeah, I think just just get to know your ingredients and you know start small. So start with like maybe some like smoky paprika is great to you know add flavour, and then maybe a dash of maple syrup to add a little bit of sweetness. Throw in some black beans, onion, garlic, and all of a sudden you've got like these beautiful sort of smoky beans that you can have for breakfast or you know or dinner. Um, doing food prep, roasting veggies. You know, if you're going to sit on the couch for an hour and a half and watch Netflix, pop some veggies in the oven and like just let them cook. And then you've got your dinner for the next, you know, day or so sorted. Um, Like lentil bolognese, things that can freeze well. They're always, they're always good too. And I mean, in terms of like children friendly, if you like think of like sort of mac and cheese where you, you can make them like a healthier version using like pumpkin and sort of nutritional yeast and go that way. And with the lentil bolognese, like I do find that they are kid friendly meals. Most kids and lasagnas, most kids will sort of gobble that out without even knowing that I've snuck in zucchini in that there's carrot in that, like it's got all sorts, um, but they'll just like happily eat it. So I think it's just experimenting and don't be so hard on yourself. Like just take your time. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just take it, day by day or meal by meal. No one's expecting you to become a Michelin star chef. And I'm not a Michelin star chef. I'm a home cook. And I think that's where my focus is. I'm the home cook for the home cook. So I know what it's like. And yeah, so just, just have fun with it. And I mean, I still have some epic fails. There's been many a times where I've made like, 
I've tried to make this vegan cheesecake and it's come out the oven, looks perfect. I open the springform tin and it just collapses all over the bench. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, just just see it for what it is. Hey, I'm, I'm doing my best. We're like, we're all trying. And yeah, just, just keep at it. I think just find, probably find your flavor sort of, you know, your flavor base as well. So if you like Mexican, you know, how can you sort of, I guess, inject those flavors into a diff- different kinds of dishes. So you might start off with a base of some sort of black beans and just serve it up in different ways, like just to keep it interesting. So, cool. Yeah. So on that topic, so we had a a recipe developer on the show Mm -hmm. uh, last year yes, and we were having a chat about how how important flavor is and and how underrated the spice cabinet is. You know, we, I think if we all developed a bit of a a more diverse spice cabinet, we'd all have very, very tasty meals. Yeah. What? So we, we, we coined it the Spice Girls. Yeah. And they're your five, your top five spices. Mm Mm-hmm. So off the off the top of your head, off if if you had head. to choose five spices mm-hmm. that you'd be going to the deserted island with, yeah, what would you what be would bringing? They be? Yeah, I'd probably first off say smoked paprika, um, cumin, ground coriander. Maybe oh, I kind of want to say turmeric, but then that stains everything. And if I'm on a deserted island, I won't have anything to wash it off with. But then no one will see me, so it doesn't matter if I'm yellow. So maybe turmeric. Yep. How, how many are we up to? I think that's four. Four? Oh, what's going to be my last one? That's hard. Because, I mean, I like I like a bit of chili. Yep. Dried chili. Dried chili flakes. Okay. Yep. To bring a dish alive. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I love... I like it. I like this. It's it's probably going to be my go-to question for people that are in food. Yeah. Is the Spice Girls. It's good to hear What's everyone's... the weirdest one that someone said? Black salt. Is that a spice? I don't think we can really call that, but black salt. It's in the... You black know, salt it's on needs the spectrum. to be, I think, in everyone's cooking cabinet. Okay. Yeah. Black salt. It stinks. Okay. It's kind of like, unless, you're, unless you've always been someone really against eggs, then maybe don't go near it. But for people who have grown up loving eggs, Black salt needs to be in your cabinet. So who is black salt the backup singer or are we putting oh, black oh. salt in the lineup and taking one out? I think black salt's doing its own thing. Okay. Yeah. Solo act. Solo act. Yeah. Epic. No, the weirdest, I don't know if we've had any weird ones yet. Um, black salt probably is the most yeah. Uh, unique yeah. one we've had. Uh, but usually it's similar. Yeah. Everyone I think puts smoked paprika in yeah. there. You can't leave um, it. Yeah. Cumin yeah. gets in there often, yeah. um, garlic powder, yeah. and then the rest start to change from there, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you can build like some pretty tasty meals with those spices. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of a good sort of base, you know, to lay your spice foundation. Yeah, get Absolutely. Those, get those in your spice rank. Yeah. yeah, and also on that transitioning thing, do you recommend... Like any switches, is, is, do you see people struggling with certain switches, like whether it be, I don't know, milk or eggs? Yeah, I think are... milk is probably a big one, um, particularly for people who drink coffee and finding their their alternative. It's an individual choice, I think. Um, I've started to get into the habit of making my own milk um, only because I'm now trying to go one more with my whole what can I do to be less wasteful and packaging. Um, but I think... It's just, it's quite individual. So I'd say, you know, there's like, how many milks would there be on the market? Like, God, 15, 20? Yeah, there's, there's, even, there's pea yeah. milk. Yeah. There's even pea milk, which is 
weird, but then why is it any different from almond milk? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think just just experiment um, and have fun. But in terms of like making switches, if mock meats are your thing, if that's what gets you to transition then use them like they're there to be used i mean i know that there are a lot of people that enjoy eating them and that's great probably i would look at the packaging um a packaging trying to reduce your packaging but looking at the ingredients in there obviously if you can eat whole foods they're going to be better for you but i mean lentils are a great substitute for beef mince um, in pies in bolognese things like that You've got jackfruit, which can be, you know, marinated and you can do all sorts of things with jackfruit and even mushrooms. Um, Like, I think really Google's, you know, get on Google or get on what's the, there's a new website browser, Ecosia. I'll put that in the the outro. I'll find it and um, I haven't heard of it. E-C-O-S-I-A. It's a web browser that, I think for every 45 searches you do, they plant a tree. So for those who like to get on Google, get on Google, I'd say, and just learn about the all different types of alternatives. There's so many blogs out there and everyone's got a different perspective. So find someone who I guess aligns with how you like to cook and, and just, just watch their videos, read their blog posts. um, But do it all through that browser because then we plant more trees. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I need to look at that. Yeah. That's um, that's yeah. a nice. I think it's nice about initiative. one every forty-five searches. I think a new tree is planted, so you can download the app and just do your browsing, browsing through that, and it's got a pretty cute icon on it. So, yeah. That's cool. I mean, we're all making Google searches every day, so why not get a few trees planted in the process? Exactly. Easy it's, switch. It's like, yeah, what 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 can I do? Yeah. yeah. Easy switch. Getting back to what you just uh, alluded to there with the waste. Keeping the waste in mind when we're going to the grocery store or the supermarket, whatever it might be. How easy is it to make your own plant milk? Pretty easy. What's the steps? Okay, so it's it's going to vary depending on what type of milk you're making. But essentially, they're all the same in the sense that you choose your base. So it might be oats, it might be almonds, it might be cashews. So you might put in a cup of oats to four to five cups of water, pinch of salt, a couple of dates for sweetness and whiz it up. I'd say the less, the better, um, particularly with oat milk. If you're making, if you do decide to make oat milk, oats have this incredible ability to thicken. So if you blend them too long, it becomes like glue, like, cla- you know, clag glue. It's like, it's, it's pretty gross. So with oats, yeah, less is more. Um, but then the good thing about with the milks, I mean, make hybrids as well. Like, I mean, just this morning I made an oat, coconut, sunflower seed, almond. I was just chucking in whatever I could with the thinking in mind that with the leftover pulp, I was going to turn them into some sort of truffle, which I was actually hoping to bring along to this chat today, <laughs> but they didn't set in time. So I do apologize about that. But yeah, it's just, it's so easy to make your own milk and I think you've just got to go into it with an open mind. Like if you're a, if you're a non-vegan and you're making oat milk for the first time, chances are you're not going to like it. Um, you may need to do some experimenting, but I think we need to see it for what it is. This is oat milk. This has not come from a cow. It's not going to taste like cow's milk because it's not meant to. So I think it's keeping an open mind about flavors and how things are going to taste as well. Totally. Yeah. Are there any other easy kind of waste things we can keep in mind Mm. when 
get you know grabbing our food from the the supermarket what's what have you found has been an easy one for you to adopt yeah i mean don't buy packaging avoid it where you can so if you see um if you see half a pumpkin wrapped up in cling film go buy a whole pumpkin um generally it's probably cheaper as well um but just take your own bags uh you can even get produce bags so the ones that you put your grapes and your spinach in um yeah just just sort of doing what you can making your own milk if if your household like mine and you have mike someone like mike that well we go through at least a liter of plant milk a day (laughs) um making like so then if you think about that that's like seven or so cartons if we were buying it a week and like i know that they can be recycled but i think go one better and it's like what can i do to reduce even that like buy in bulk um there are there are plenty of sort of stores that will sell by bulk as well, buy in special, buy in season and go to farmer's markets. They're, um, they're a really good way to sort of, I guess, learn about where your produce came from and actually talk to the farmer and, and support local business. So they're all great ways. Um, there is another initiative as well that I'd like, to, another app that mm-hmm. I'd like to sort of mention is, a, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's called Olio. Okay. How's it spelled? O-L-I-O. Okay. And so, I don't know if you've got any listeners in the UK. They, this is where the initiative started up. Um, and essentially, it's like a food swap. So, all of us could join Olio today. And I can look at your fruit bowl over there and say you have a surplus of mandarins sitting in there. <laughs> and you may not get through them um, within this week. So, rather than risk, you know, if you know like, you know, I'm probably, I'm not going to eat 10 mandarins before Friday considering tomorrow's Friday, you can go onto the Olio app, take a picture of your mandarins and everyone around you can see what food you've got. And so if they're in need, they can come and pick them up. So it's kind of like, I think it's a really good way to build a community of sharing. And like, you know, if I've got too much of something, I can help you out. And I've used it a few times where I've bought, it's even non-food items. So I I bought the wrong face wash. And so I was like, oh, well, I could toss this out. Or I was like, or I could give it to someone who might be in need. And those people might be, you know, vulnerable. They might have, you know, I don't know. They, they could be on really tight budgets. But I just kind of think if you can help people out in that regard and if we can share, if you've got a lemon tree, you can share that with your community members. Like, it, like I think it forges like really nice sort of relationships and it reduces waste and you can connect to businesses and sort of, I guess, people that do help out those who are vulnerable and might need help. So... It's kind of just another one of those like, you know, do what you're doing and always look for ways to just do one thing better. That is a, I think that's a perfect example of, you know, obviously an individual or a group of individuals have had this idea, brought it to life and they're helping. Yeah. As far as I know, it's not funded by no government. Like it's, it's been two, I think maybe one or two very passionate women um, who, I guess saw the saw the gap in the market like yeah for you know yeah what are we doing like why waste food when it's perfectly good and you can you know you can give it away and it goes beyond even individuals like businesses like obviously throw out a lot of food waste and I remember I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head but it was like it was insane like learning about how much like particularly bakeries like because obviously Mm. bread goes off pretty quick how much they throw away and oh my goodness yeah no it's um 
I know a, a guy I had on the podcast early on, uh, Max Lamana. He is like a zero waste yeah. guy yeah. Uh, over in America. And his big thing that he's concentrating on this year is food waste. Yeah. And I think Australia, Anna told me the other day. Pretty sure we're pretty bad. Number one. Yeah, I think I think per I capita. That. Yes, yes, that's right. For food yeah. waste. Yeah. So we are it's, terrible. it's probably a product of the restaurant cafe kind of culture here. Yeah. Um, but I think it goes beyond that because Okay. Sorry to No, go, off, go. But just to sort of say like if each of us lived in houses of our own and we all bought a loaf of bread a week. Yep. And we all had three pieces left at the end of every week. Now, if you times that by the population of Australia, that's going to add up to a lot of bread. Like, And so it's it's very easy, I think, to sort of think, oh yeah, cafes, man, <laughs> they're yeah. terrible. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're, they're angels or they've got it right. Like there's, I think the problem, and it probably comes back to like the whole, what can I do as an individual? I think so, the problem yeah. is like across the board. So if we were to add up, you know, individual A, B, C, D and versus that cafe, our waste is just put, like, who knows, could be on par, if not, or if not more. So yeah. you need to sort of, I guess, look at it from a, a population, like, and it's just that those three, or even that, just that one slice of bread that we all waste. Yeah, it, it adds up, so. You've immediately changed my perspective there. So I'm going to, no, well, it's perfect. I'm going to get, I'm gonna, it, it, you're right. Like it, it is across the population mm. and we should continually look back at yeah. ourselves. Yeah. I think, you know, that's always, yeah. Yeah. That's probably the yeah. broad learning for me yeah. um, in the last couple of days is just the discussions I've been having with people, yeah. whether it's friends or yeah. podcast guests. Especially if you feel a bit like hopeless in a certain situation with an election or with a whatever, I think, yeah, always just like, well, what can I do? Yeah. You know, this, this is what it is, but what can I do to... Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. if each of us had that mindset, we, well, we do and we already are making progress yeah. um, for change. But if we continue with that sort of mindset, it, it gains momentum. Yeah, I think we don't know what's going to happen if we, if we start to act. Yeah, exactly. And if we start to get involved and yeah. speak up and act. Yeah. Uh, because that's the first step. But then it could turn into an application. Yeah. It could turn into your best friend adopting some of the same things. It yeah. Could have, your, your family, whatever it yeah. might be. But every time we, you know, do something positive, mm. it starts to get wider yeah, and wider momentum. and wider. People so are watching, yeah. To have yeah. that mentality where it's, it's all over, it's yeah. done. We can't do anything about yeah. it. Let's get back to, you know, yeah. what, we, what we can do. And I think that's the beauty of social media in that you might have something that you do every day that you can share with others that makes them think, oh, I can do that. Like, it's just just like people I follow on Instagram that are sort of advocates for zero waste. Like, the amount of tips and tricks that I've got, you know, just off social media, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing, like, how I'm now. Like, you know, I won't leave the house unless I've got this or I've got that or, you know, my water bottle must come with me everywhere. Otherwise, you know, like, yeah, it's just... You can learn a lot and I think that's the beauty of social media is the power for that to really give momentum to a movement. Absolutely. So Talitha, what is next for you? What do you see, uh, you know, um, happening in your future? Where would you like to to take things um, eventually? Yeah, interesting question. So at the moment, I'm, I'm writing a cookbook. So I keep sort of 
I keep sort of um, wafting and, and away from social media and online at the moment as I try and develop recipes. So it's all developing, developing, testing, testing recipes. Um, I help some of Mike's clients with just getting familiar with how to cook with plants. Uh, last year, and I'm hoping to do a few more this year, although we're a little bit slow off the bat with the whole recipe um, cookbook, is doing events. So um, last year I did a, I partnered up with actually the local council and we ran a sustainability event on a vegan cooking workshop, um, as well as doing like demonstrations at World Vegan Day and, and sort of stuff like that. So more of that, just to keep raising the awareness of like, you know, of plants and making them cool and, you know, delicious. Yeah. So we'll continue with that and yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. That's awesome. Love the pairing there. I mean, that's a that's a great partnership. Yeah. You know, you're already in a relationship. You've got your own personal training business. You're a vegan. You get a bunch of questions in the gym. Yeah. Who better to direct the clients to? Yeah. And I mean, I should yeah. also say feeding Mike is a full-time job. I was going yeah, that's uh that's got to be a job in yeah. itself. Exactly. The, me- yeah. the the meals you show on Instagram stories are always yeah. you know, always pretty eating. Big. Yeah. 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 Much the same as myself. Um <laughs> it's been awesome to have you on the show. I've uh it's it's fun both of you guys. We I think we've gone down uh kind of paths that I, you know, didn't really foresee happening yeah, so right. <laughs> it's 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 been really cool to chat on some different topics with the yeah. both of you uh both of you while we've been in australia um but thanks for giving up the time before you go i'd love just to hear exactly where we can find you yes. um and what to expect when we get there sure uh so i'm on facebook and instagram as the plantritionist and I also have my website, which is theplantritionist.com. And you can find me there. You can find food there, um, tips there for reducing your food waste, which is an area I'm interested in getting more into. Um, but otherwise, I'm sort of there as your resource to bounce questions off. If you don't know how to use, I don't know, jackfruit or whatever, just swing them my way. And what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, either Any, all, through, yeah. all through social media um, handles Instagram Facebook yeah beautiful yeah. and if you do get to a Instagram guys warning you are gonna get hungry <laughs> it's a we just yeah took don't a, come on an empty stomach we took a big <laughs> scroll through earlier and we were just like wow this is uh looking tasty so I think we're gonna have to get into thank some you. recipes yeah. ourselves <laughs> and uh, yeah get cooking thank you Talitha thank you thank you very much it's been awesome awesome thanks. cheers Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the past hour with Talitha and I. Uh, it was great to dig in some other topics uh, during today's show. I know some of it was very Australian-based, but I hope there were some takeaways for people listening in from around the world. For those interested in the search engine and the food-sharing network that Talitha mentioned, uh, they are called Ecosia. I'm not sure if I'm, got, I'm getting the pronunciation correct there, but that's the search engine. It's spelled E-C-O-S-I-A dot org. And also Olio. Uh, that's the food sharing network. I thought that was a fantastic idea and one I wouldn't mind taking a look at. Uh, that is spelled O-L-I-O-E-X dot com. Or I believe they have an app. So it would just be O-L-I-O. So go and check them out if you're interested. And if you do, uh, send me a message on Instagram. Uh, I'm at VegTalk. That's V-E-D-G-E-T-A-L-K. Let me know what you thought of today's show and also 
those two uh, cool applications. So uh, next week, we'll be chatting with Amanda Walker. I know I mentioned that we would be doing that this week, but we've pushed it back. So she's the co-founder of vegan fast food chain, Lord of the, uh, Lord of the Fries, uh, based in Australia uh, and also with locations now in New Zealand. So I'm stoked to bring you that conversation. So make sure to subscribe to the show if you'd like notifications. Uh, until then, veggie mates, keep it plant-based and I will catch you all next week.